slash NPR. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by the Depot Theater, the Adirondacks' only actors' equity-affiliated company. Physically distant, artistically connected, professionally produced. Learn more at depotheater.org. And NCC Systems, a veteran-owned company protecting North Country businesses and homes for 48 years, offering cameras, security, fire alarms, and entry control. nccsystems.com. This is North Country Public Radio. It is seven minutes past eight on this Friday, June 25th. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. Monica Sandreski will be back on Monday. Coming up, after leading the Adirondack Daily Enterprise for more than 16 years, Peter Crowley is signing off as managing editor. Today's his last day, and Emily Russell checks in with Peter and coming up in just a few minutes. But here's news from North Country Public Radio. Governor Cuomo signed into law the Gender Recognition Act, approved by the state legislature earlier this month. It's aimed at reducing discrimination against transgender and non-binary New Yorkers. From Albany, Karen DeWitt reports. Under the law, a New Yorker who wants to change their gender listed on an official identification document or in a court proceeding no longer needs a doctor's permission or to have to present medical evidence to obtain those changes. Parents named on a child's birth certificate won't have to choose between father or mother. They'll also have the option of identifying as a parent. And New Yorkers will also be given the option of choosing a gender-neutral X on documents instead of being limited to choosing between male and female. That's a practice already allowed in New York City. Cuomo, who signed the measure at a ceremony with LGBTQ plus community leaders, says it will eliminate barriers that undermine the health and safety of people because of their gender. It affirms basic human dignity and it ends discrimination. The governor signed the bill just weeks after his daughter, Michaela Kennedy Cuomo, shared in a social media post that she identifies as queer. The governor did not mention his daughter in his speech, but at the time he said he was proud of her and loves and supports her. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. North Country Congresswoman Elise Stefanik is introducing legislation to try to push the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to reopen the U.S.-Canada border. Co-sponsors include other northern border state representatives. The measure calls for the U.S. border to be opened for family visits, business travel, and travel to an American airport for the purposes of boarding a flight. It would also require the head of the DHS to give Congress a plan to reopen the border for all non-essential travel. Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau recently announced phase one of his reopening plan. He has said the country remains closed to non-essential travelers from the U.S. until 75% of Canadians are fully vaccinated. New York State is extending and expanding scholarships that pay for the child care of essential workers. A lot of North Country families are eligible, but they need to apply. And families who are on the previous scholarships need to reapply. Amy Feierisel reports. Throughout the pandemic, federal relief and stimulus money helped pay the childcare costs of essential workers, like healthcare providers, firefighters, and food delivery and grocery store employees. But only a small percentage of those eligible received this support, says Bruce Stewart 
who directs the St. Lawrence County Child Care Council. The numbers were quite low in terms of the number of families that applied and were approved. He says the application process was tricky, and a lot of people just didn't know the assistance existed. Those current scholarships run out soon, on Monday, June 28th. But there is a new pot of money in New York, $25 million, to pay for full-time childcare. You're eligible if you're an essential worker whose income is less than 300% of the federal poverty level. That would be $80,000 a year for a family of four. Stewart says for eligible families, this could provide thousands of dollars to cover childcare costs. Uh, all of us across the state are now just trying to get this out to as many families, employers, employees as possible um, so that they have that opportunity to apply. The New York State Office of Children and Family Services has set up an online portal for applications. Scholarships are being distributed on a first-come, first-served basis. Families who are on previous scholarships need to reapply through the portal. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio. You can find links to the online portal and how to apply for the Essential Worker Scholarships on our website at ncpr.org. Democrat Anthony Rendisi says he will drop his 2022 bid for Congress. The district includes parts of part of Oswego County along Lake Ontario. Brindisi lost his re-election effort for New York's 22nd Congressional District to Republican Claudia Tenney last year. Brindisi says he wants to spend more time with his family. Being closer to home is uh, the most important thing to me right now, so I can be there for them and uh, being a member of Congress is uh, is just not conducive to doing that. So I've decided not to run a uh, third time in, in 2022. Rondesi says he won't rule out running for elected office in the future. He also denies that upcoming changes to congressional maps played any role in his decision. Rendisi represented the 22nd District for one term, ending in 2020. He lost last year by 109 votes. It was the second closest House race in the country last year and was decided after months of legal challenges and recounts. Get more news all the time on our website at ncpr.org. It's 8.13. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. Coming up in just a few minutes, the Depot Theater in Westport is back on track for live theater this summer. We'll check in with the artistic director. 66 degrees here in Canton right now. The weather service says highs across our region today in the upper 70s, low 80s. Sunshine in Glens Falls, Saratoga Springs, partly to mostly cloudy elsewhere, maybe an occasional shower especially in the St. Lawrence Valley. Lows around 60 overnight tonight, and then tomorrow, highs upper 70s, low 80s, with clouds and some scattered showers. This is Gananoque, Ontario guitarist Evan Veenstra.
Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation, hosting donor-advised funds for people who care about the Adirondacks and want to give back. Learn more at adirondackfoundation.org. And Barstow Subaru, Potsdam, committed to the safety and security of all-wheel drive. Details at barstowsubaru.com. Today is Peter Crowley's last day at the Adirondack Daily Enterprise. Crowley joined the newspaper more than two decades ago and has served as the managing editor for 16 years. Our Adirondack reporter, Emily Russell, sat down with Crowley for a final interview. You started at the Enterprise more than two decades ago, back in 2000. What drew you to journalism? What drew me to journalism was, was arts. I think my first thing I wrote for my college paper was a theater review and then a movie review and a CD review and stuff like that and then some concerts. And it was by doing it that I got caught up in it. It wasn't something that I saw and said, oh, I want to do that. It was by hanging out in the newsroom in college and by getting a job doing this in this community. What was the biggest story you covered as a reporter? I don't know about the biggest story, but the one that was the most involved was, was covering the Olympics in 2010. I went to, with, with Lou Reuter, our sports writer, went to Vancouver and Whistler. You just get plunked into a place where there's all this stuff going on that's huge news, and you do not know what is going on. And you do not know who to talk to. You know, you have to find out the rules of biathlon and the different biathlon events and how to, you know, well, which one has a penalty loop and which one doesn't do penalty loops it's daunting, but it was also super, super fun. Your newsroom covers big, you know, kind of national level stories from here, from this newsroom. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't realize that kind of level of journalism is happening right here in their hometown. That's not so much us. That's just that there's so much news in this mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Our sports beat isn't just high schools and a couple of colleges. We have those. And they're great, and we cover them very close to the ground. But we also have Olympic sports, unique kinds of things. We have canoe races. We have woodsman's games. We have a giant Ironman triathlon and a giant lacrosse tournament and a giant rugby tournament and giant horse show. So just that sports beat is completely unique and international. Environmentally, we've got a unique place on Earth with unique policies and agencies and advocates that tie into similar conversations happening around the world. News-wise, just state politics-wise, things here tend to blow up. I'm not sure why, but they do. Being a local paper, though, you do get pushback and a lot of opinionated people writing specifically sometimes to you as the editor What has that been like for you to be the focus sometimes of pretty outraged people? And and, I mean, do you ever do you take that home with you? What is that like to kind of bear the brunt of some of that pushback? It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be when I took this job in 2004. I've found that almost all the criticism comes in online comments and almost all the praise comes in person or over the phone. Or by email. The press has come under, you know, a bit more of attack in recent years, and and the newspaper business, you know, is, is a hard one to be in. 
what do you hope for the enterprise and what do you hope people knew more about what happens here at the enterprise? I guess the one thing I would hope that people understood is that we actually want to cover absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And we can't. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm thinking about not just what's in the paper. A lot of people just think about what's in the paper. I'm thinking about what's not in the paper. So I certainly hope the enterprise continues with the staff, more staff than it has. I hope people understand that how the enterprise works is by advertising and subscriptions and printing other publications and things like that. And I hope people support that. Do you think you'll miss journalism? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. What will you miss about it? I'll miss getting those stories and I'll miss being part of that team that gets that information. And I'll miss saying, oh, maybe you ought to talk to so-and-so. When I realized I loved this job, one of the things I loved the most was that I was meeting new people every day mm-hmm. and going new places every day. And every day, there's new stuff. I'll miss that. Peter Crowley is outgoing managing editor of the Adirondack Daily Enterprise. He spoke with Emily Russell. A special thanks to Peter. He shared Adirondack news with NCPR listeners regularly for years as part of his Tri Lakes Takes conversations with Brian Mann. Crowley plans to attend SUNY Potsdam this fall for a master's in teaching high school English. A black bear has escaped from a wildlife refuge in Wilmington in the Adirondacks. The Adirondack Wildlife Refuge said a four-and-a-half-year-old bear dug out of its enclosure yesterday morning. It's the second time this bear has escaped the refuge. And uh, they're asking anyone who spots the bear to call them. Do not approach the bear. You can call 855-WOLFMAN or 914-772-5983. It's 820. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It is Friday. It's June 25th. I'm Todd Moe. My co-host Monica will be back Monday morning. 66 degrees here in Canton right now. The weather service says highs around 80 today. Winds out of the south. Sunshine in Glens Falls, partly to mostly cloudy elsewhere. And we're going to get uh, outdoor conditions for this last weekend in June coming up in just a moment from John Warren. Also, we'll hear from Kenny Green, the artistic director at Depot Theater in Westport, about their summer of live theater. Stay tuned. There is a chance of seeing a shower, but the weather's looking pretty good, and that will fill popular areas to capacity this weekend. Keep an eye out for an afternoon thunderstorm, especially on Sunday. Always check the weather before heading out and never be above treeline or on open water in a thunderstorm. It should be mostly dry this weekend, however. The fire danger is elevated, so use caution with open fires. It's illegal to leave even a smoldering fire unattended. Very dry conditions persist across most of northern New York, with the northwestern part of the state experiencing a moderate drought, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. Rivers and streams in those areas are running well below normal. The one exception in the region is over in the Hudson and Lake George watersheds, where waters are running higher above normal. The Hudson has been running at about four feet at North Creek. That's above normal. The Racket River at Piercefield is running below about four and a half feet. That's below normal for this time of year. Water temperatures are mostly in the upper 60s. That's the temperature of Lake George. 
Mirror Lake is closer to 70 degrees, and Upper Saranac Lake is in the lower 60s. Expect parking to be at a premium in the high peaks and other popular areas, such as Rondax Mountain. If you're not there very early, you can be sure the lot will be full this weekend. The town of Keene is having trouble finding shuttle drivers, so check ahead on their website to see if it's running when you head out. If you are interested in being a shuttle driver or a trailhead steward, which are also needed, contact the town of Keene. Parking has shifted to the new Upper Works Trailhead parking lot, about a tenth of a mile before the old lot, which is now closed. And it's free fishing weekend in New York State, the second of six annual weekends when you don't need a license to fish. Those are the local outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. It's 8.23. This is Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. The Depot Theater in Westport kicks off its 43rd season with a production of The Mountaintop on Thursday, July 1st. That's next Thursday. The show is a reflective, often funny and touching reimagining of the night before the assassination of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's the first of three main stage productions at the historic train station on Lake Champlain. And I caught up with uh, the Depot Theater's producing artistic director, Kenny Green, to talk about the return of live theater this summer. This year we are back, and I would like to say I think we're back better than ever. Three of the four shows that were promised, because we did take one off the season, but three of the four shows that were promised for 2020 we are doing for this season, which are The Mountaintop, a play by Katori Hall, who just won the Pulitzer Prize and is a two-time Tony-nominated playwright. It's about what if we were able to be in the room at the Lorraine Hotel the night before Martin Luther King Jr.'s fateful demise. And we see a conversation between him and one of the hotel mates, and some very interesting things come to light and unfold, and also a secret gets revealed. So it's a very fun, funny, touching evening of theater. Um, Our second show is Working, which is a musical that was based off of a series of interviews by Studs Terkel on real people's working lives, which we just felt what better way to come back, especially after having a year where praising essential workers and that kept America going during this time. Why not do a musical that honors them? And that's what we have in working. And our final uh, show is Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And it is a fictional retelling of Billie Holiday's final performance. And within that performance, we get to see the highs and lows of her. Um, It's just her and her pianist. Uh, We get to hear some beautiful music that we know from Billie Holiday. And we also get to learn about her life, um, the highs and the lows throughout. And that's our season. Can you divulge the secret in the mountaintop, Kenny? Or... I cannot. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> okay. You are one of the many, many people who have asked me in the past seven days, and it's it's really, you have to see it. Yeah. It's yeah. great, though. It's really good when you find out what it is. For audiences, what are you reminding people to do? There, there's still some, what, some, some health you know, restrictions, right? There's still a couple of health restrictions, uh, even even though, because we are a, a equity union professional house, even though the restrictions have been lifted throughout the state, we are still bound by some of the rules 
of Actors' Equity Association. They're relaxing as the days go by. But just so our audiences know, uh, we could not do a season unless our staff was fully vaccinated, our cast had to be fully vaccinated, the musicians have to be fully vaccinated in order for us to even touch a stage. So rest assured, that's the only way the union would allow us to do this. And so that's what we've done. Everybody who's been hired has been vaccinated. And uh, we're hoping that the audiences, if the audience is coming, are fully vaccinated and um, amassed throughout the show and while they're watching. The shows aren't that long. All of them are one acts, which is great. There's not an intermission. And so you're boom, bam, in, out, get some great entertainment, get a great story. You're safe. And we are ready to go back to the before times. All right. Okay, the Depot Theater in Westport back on track this summer. That's Kenny Green, the Depot's artistic director. And you'll find a link on our website to the Depot Theater for complete information about their summer season of theater. That's at ncpr.org. Before the end of the month, you need to stop by Malone, the downtown artist seller in Malone. Check out the work of some very talented young artists from around Franklin County. Over 100 pieces of art are on display this month at the downtown artist seller in Malone. Most were created by teen artists under the watchful eyes of professional artist mentors. At a crowded opening event for the, the, the Thrive Project exhibit... Eighth grader Alexander Randall showed me his monoprint. He was very excited to show me his art. Yep, so there's only one of those. So, like, it, it wasn't made with, like, a pattern that you could redo. It's, like, the only one of its kind. And you titled it Space. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I mean... It looks like outer space. Is that what you were thinking? Well, I, I just wanted to try, because I had gotten out on on uh, a walk, and we had gotten, like, all sorts. We got, like, like uh, tree branch, some moss, cedar bark, and then I decided to use the moss for this, and it just ended up looking like that. Because there were, like, little dirt specks and stuff within the thing, and so when you pressed it down, it, cre- it, cre- it didn't, like, it took the paint away, which made it white when you press down the paper. Have you ever done a monoprint before, or was this a first chance? First first chance, and I loved it. It was awesome. Eighth-grade artist Alexander Randall. The Thrive Project is sponsored by the Foothills Art Society in partnership with Adirondack for Kids and the Downtown Artist Cellar. It hosted a series of spring art classes for young people in Franklin County. And I also caught up with Alexander's mentor, Tina Lamore, who teaches art at North Country Community College in Malone. And she told me she was very excited to be a mentor as a part of the program. The idea of coming together in a small group and being able to work with students, it was exciting for me because I hadn't worked with students directly in a year as well. So they were able to experiment, and it wasn't about the lesson so much. It was this new technique for most of them, and um, I think it's just wonderful. Faith Lane and her mentor, Saranac Lake artist Chris Winters, showed me their book arts, original journals, and accordion-style handmade books. Can you just kind of tell me... 
as you page through it, what do we see? Do we see different images, and does it open up? Uh, yeah, it does. It has different pockets, and um, it's called The Galaxy. It's a really cool book because how we made it was with splatter paints, and it took a lot of time. Well, one day, but <laughs> it has different pockets, and it, it's really fun just to make it. It looks like you got to splatter some paint, maybe? Yeah. Huh? So put the big piece of watercolor paper on the floor and then threw paint at it, which was really fun. She's thinking about maybe using that book for a travel journal, the way I used my book over there. So, so maybe adding some, on a some trip words. And, yeah. yeah. And putting things in the little pockets, right? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't tell you this because she's shy, but she looked at all the colors and she said, you know, it kind of looks like a galaxy. And that's how she got the name. And then she cut out the letters from a magazine to make the name on here, which I really love. You did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have a brown paper bag here, book. Yeah. yeah. So this one was a little, it was um, really easy to make. And it's really pretty. And all I did was just put different pictures in it and tape it down. And that's all I did. And Chris, let me ask you. I know there, there's um, students get something out of this. What, as a teacher, what do you sort of take away with a, uh, an experience like this? I had kind of planned a class for students who were more like faith age, you know, middle school and older. And instead, there were a lot of younger kids there. And it, I had to do a, quite a bit of creative shifting so that everybody got something to do. And um, I just love seeing what each child's sort of interests and talents were. They just really, they just soaked it all up and then went ahead and Zoom, they made their own beautiful things. So it was a lot of fun to watch that. Also, as part of the exhibit opening, Salmon River senior Kahatase Terrence was awarded a scholarship by the Foothills Art Society. She'll be attending Syracuse University this fall, and her art includes traditional Mohawk beadwork and pottery and paintings. The artwork will remain on display through the end of the month, through the end of June, at the Downtown Artist Cellar on Main Street in Malone. Bird Note is next. Stay tuned. This is Bird Note. Does this raucous laughter sound a little deranged as it rings out above the crash of ocean waves? The voices belong to birds, to a nesting colony of common murs, standing on narrow ledges high on the steep face of a sea cliff. Precarious as their nest site is, common murs nest by the thousands along the Pacific coast, perhaps millions north along the Bering Sea. The chocolate brown murs stand nearly a foot and a half tall, on legs set far back on their bodies. Add to this their sharply pointed bills, and murs look much like the northern equivalent of penguins of the southern hemisphere. Their eggs are specially shaped to survive a narrow cliff ledge. Shaped like a pear, the single large blue egg is pointed at one end and blunt at the other, so it spins on the ledge rather than tumbling into the sea below. The common murr's guttural call carries well over the roar of the waves, a natural laugh track 
far richer than human laughter canned for a sitcom. 